0: Hey, Sykes here, and I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about my show, Start the Beat. It's a podcast about independent artists for independent artists. Each episode highlights different humans from all walks of life and their individual stories about inspiration, determination, struggle, and so much more. Dive into the fantastic minds of these amazing people, absorb some useful knowledge, and expand your perspective on the world around you. It's like really important and stuff or whatever, curated, produced, and hosted by me, Sykes. Start the Beat is part of the Ethicast family, and you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Subscribe today and never miss a beat. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. Get this message out here. I'm doing what I love to help a community out. Like, yeah, I mean what is the next step? What's the one thing I can do today that's gonna to get us one? So moment?
1: I mean I don't know what's
0: what's in the future. Art is the only way you can reach out to the future. It is the only thing that actually lives through a time capsule. And I think that if the DIY scene as a whole put more of a value on itself, it could be a lot more sustainable. now if someone doesn't like it, that's their deal. Let's get some composure. Let's get my <laughs> shit together. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Thank you. Yep. It's been great to see the band grow. I'm kind of just jumping into it. Yeah. The new record is great. I have cool. it here because you sent it to me. I just want to let the listeners know that The Long Hunt is the first band to ever send me a press package before coming on the show. Really? Yes.
1: Whoa! People have sent mm-hmm.
0: me like links online and emails, but like the first physical CD with some nice little notes. Yeah, you like the notes. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Yeah. I, I, I always Fair respect nice. the professionalism <laughs> and the trying, and it's cool again to see you know you doing all the art and everything. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I need sure. to do my introduction yet. So, I'm going to do that, and then we'll we'll ease our way into a nice conversation about making music and art and doing things that are fun. Hello, and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes, and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of the people who enjoyed that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for listening. I think I messed that up. It doesn't matter. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. But today, I'm drinking a coffee. My guests iced are drinking coffee.
2: coffees. <laughs> hot coffees.
0: Hot, co- hot coffees <laughs> versus iced coffees on the podcast today. Do either of you have preference or is it just that's how it is for today? I think I need the hot.
1: Hot is the preference, but a nice cold coffee is all right now and again. You
0: gotta load it up with sugar, though. Yeah. And for anyone who hasn't read the episode description or just somehow stumbled into this conversation, how about you two introduce yourselves and we will go from there. This is Trevor, the male voice of the uh, the duo here.
3: Um, we are down a member <laughs> today. The Long Hunt is a three piece. I play guitar. Um, the Long Hunt is a three piece instrumental, minimalist drone heavy psych band uh, out of Pittsburgh. And joining me is
0: the lovely <laughs>
1: uh, Allison, and I play bass in the Long Hunt.
0: Yes. As I mentioned before, this is your returning conversation. The first time we ever met in person was when Trevor had reached out via email, like a professional, asking <laughs> to come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's been great meeting all three of you. We've since become we we become acquainted. We, we see each other at <laughs> events every so often. Mm-hmm. I've still yet to come see your band play live, and I feel terrible about that. I apologize. I will. I'm
1: shaking my head, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh, no, they, they see
0: it on camera. Dude. I will. I won I want to come, but it's I don't know. Maybe we could start the conversation here. Mm. Where being artists and creatives where, you know, I think you both, you know, do things outside of the long hunt as well, creatively, like Trevor does photography, that all the artwork for the, the project. And mm-hmm. you have your recently started blog things that you're doing that we can mm-hmm. get into if you would so like down the road. And I'm sure there's other things that we do. How do you navigate your real life with your hobbies and all of that and still manage to like, get out to shows and have a social life or do you struggle with that same sort of thing too
3: well i think uh, i just listened to the mike hit podcast and that was the question you don't want anyone else to ask you (laughs) (laughs) how do you do it well if you want to do it you do it right yeah totally um yeah uh it, it is tough though um like you said you know you haven't made it out to a show we would love to go to more shows um but you know one or two a year for each band isn't too bad for you know
1: well, yeah, not one or two yeah. shows. Yeah, and we go to a show every
3: to. week almost, so... Yeah.
1: But for as far as our uh, bands that we want to see, your friends' bands, try to get out as much as possible, yeah. but...
3: once every six, there's six months. There's a lot of bands. There's a lot of bands. There's a, a lot of people,
1: so... Definitely. If, if you hit,
3: yeah.
1: hit each band that you know and like, once or twice a year, there's quite a few shows. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's probably been about, what, maybe, like, it's been at least a year since we last talked. Longer than that? Maybe a year and a half?
3: Yeah, it was early 2017. It was weird to yeah. talk about that, but it was,
1: it was before our first show. Yeah, we were actually. brand
3: new. I mean, the album was out for about a month, if I remember. So it must have been
0: March, yeah. I guess. And I say March. Yeah. So okay, so we can skip a <laughs> lot progress. of the. The normal getting to know each other conversation stuff. If anybody's interested, go back to that episode. (laughs) But moving forward, how's everything been in the past year and a half with playing shows and meeting people? If you've like found your niche yet, your little corner of the scene yet, or are you still finding yourselves to be chameleons in a sense? Because (laughs) your music is very adaptable to various uh, demographics, we could say.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Our first show with was with um, the Skull and Whorehound and Monolith, Monolith Wielder. Wielder, which I guess maybe are no more. But um, so three very heavy bands that uh, are t- sort of different in in each other. One's like a stoner rock. One's like a doom metal. Other one, one's kind of like a mix of the two, maybe. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've been sort of. I don't want to say pigeonhole, but we've been playing with a lot of like heavy stoner rock, doom metal type bands. And I think metal fans tend to be pretty open minded to what we're doing. Um, so I guess that's kind of our fan base in a way. But we've yeah. also branched out and played with some other artists that were more just rock oriented. Right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of who we've played with. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> played Town last year. No, I mean, that was
0: interesting. How has then like transcending like unintentionally into the the local metal scene been? You know, is that something you were expecting?
3: Yeah, um, I like heavy music. I think the most, um, but it seems like there's two metal scenes. There's like the classic metal, um, which I would almost put you guys in, Grey Walker, and like um, Verminthrax and those kind of dudes. And yeah. then there's like the stoner doom scene. With more like Corehound and, uh, you know, the bands I mentioned, um, Jake the Hawk, maybe a few other ones. So, so I think I don't know if we would fit with like more of the extreme metal stuff, but yeah, I think yeah. the slower doomier stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we fit in pretty well because we have like an Earth sound, and people know Earth. Like if they listen to like doomy stoner metal, like I think they kind of dig what Earth is doing, or. Um, Elder, Grails, few of the other bands.
1: Uh, yeah, some shows that... Psych
3: stuff, like yeah. heavy psych music.
1: Yeah, some of the shows that we've played with uh, heavier metal bands, there's usually one or two people that say after we play, like, oh, you remind me of Earth, or are you trying to sound like <laughs> Earth? And we're like, oh, you get what we're <laughs> trying to do. It's
3: either that or... You guys sound like The Doors. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I
2: could see Somebody, it like, almost...
3: Um, I don't want to name the name, but uh, he's like, don't take this the wrong way. But you guys remind me of The Doors. I'm like, that's a compliment. That's not a negative thing. <laughs> like,
1: we wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. be sad yeah. to sound like The Doors.
3: It's like, Yeah.
1: But um, even like we played with uh, Action Camp a few times. And I mean, they're, they have a doom sound, but not like a metal doom yeah. sound. So, I mean, we kind of um, can transfer our music into more of that scene a little bit, too.
0: Yeah. So now you got a new record out and a a year and a half later you got another collection of songs here. How was let's get into like the recording process and everything Mm -hmm. with that, because the one thing when I listened to the record, I was it's a really good, like it sounds like people playing music. You know, I feel like you really like there's that minimalist approach to the production on the record. Mm -hmm. And it sounds great. But I wonder, Trevor, with you as a producer and engineer, because you recorded a good chunk of the record, right? Like, mm-hmm. did you have to fight the urge to like <laughs> do like lots of layers and production things that you could have done to just make some of these recordings huge? Yeah, yeah. Some of the songs like really open up and just like whoa, you know. And but there's also the the minimalism of it also creates like a. An intimate experience when mm. you're listening to it. Like you really feel like you're kind of closed in in a room with a few people playing music versus like this huge symphony of yeah. dense sound. <laughs> but as a producer, it would be fun to do that. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Yeah. How was that <laughs> internal struggle? for you when recording this new record
3: oh um, I think it's a, it's definitely more layered than the than the EP was I think the EP has even more of a live inner room sound um, and part of that is the production which I didn't use any fake reverbs on the EP so it's all room tones I even like reamped guitar tracks and drums and stuff out of a small speaker and then like mic'd what that sounded like in a room. I believe we talked about this on the last podcast. Mm -hmm. I remember. So that was, that has its drawbacks or whatever, but it had like a very um, small sound. And then this one, I kind of killed all the room dynamics, especially for the guitar. Like I put it in a closet, killed all the room dynamics in the closet and just had that close mic sound. And then any reverb you hear is artificial so um i guess it has a a bigger sound simply because of that because you're going into the artificial reverb and it just like spreads out more rather than here's a guitar here's another guitar (laughs) and then you know you can hear everything in the mix whereas here everything kind of it almost is more mono to me it's like less spread out yeah the mix
0: is very it's very in your face yeah yeah yeah. like everything's just like right there which when you're it's really easy to do that especially with uh instrumental yeah versus like needing to mix vocals into a song and then like they just eat up all your frequencies and then, then you have to start battling and panning things out
3: yeah, and part of that I think is I took a, a nod from metal production where you uh, do a lot of guitar duplication. So like you have one guitar playing the riff on left channel, and then same guitar playing like doubled up. And yeah, I think some of them have like quad tracked, and <laughs> some might even have eight tracks
0: of guitar on on this on this project. On, on the
3: new one, yeah, like Negative Teeth, I think has eight guitar tracks, excluding the leads. So I like quadded it and then doubled that. So, yeah, so it's more of a traditional metal sound. Um, so like mixed with the fake reverb and um, sort of more of a traditional uh, duplication or quad tracking of guitars. And then, like you said, you, you know, you don't have to worry about the vocal. So everything's sort of centered. So it's a very big in your face sound. Um, so as far as you, to answer
0: your question which I, uh, about production. <laughs> I guess um, there's more production on it then than would there is then then, yeah then you'd notice easily it sounds very clean and not i i know what track you're talking about and it doesn't sound like there's eight guitar layers on Mm -hmm. it but i'm gonna probably go back and (laughs) listen to it again and see if i can pick it out
3: a lot of it's just duplication so it's the exact same part just doubled or yeah totally totally um but take some of the more dronier songs like the first track uh, ground of being or uh track three like closing the circle where they have like those big extended parts where it's like repeating drones and stuff there's a lot going on um I, I had this weird trick where i would get a mellotron which is like those keyboards that play back tape loops yeah and i wish i had a real mellotron but these are just emulated or whatever but i found like a mellotron um cello sam- sample and she was doing like these big drone hits on the bass, where she just hit these like whole notes or or whatever, and just like let them ring. And I would actually find that note and double it with the Mellotron cello sample. So if you listen for it on some of those tracks, you hear this like like <laughs> like warbling. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, and it's it's just buried in there. So there's like little tricks mm-hmm. like that. That's I guess I'll, you know. It is pr- pretty produced, but it's not overdone. Like, I don't like the sound. I think we talked about this last time. Like you want to sound like a band. You don't want to sound fake. You know, you don't want your drums like sounding like triggered drums or guitar sounding. Like you just went direct or whatever. It's like, it's all real amps, Mm -hmm. you know, real drums.
0: There's definitely some production on the last track on the record to some more layers and everything, which that's a cover song, right? Let's
3: yeah. Let's (laughs) dig into that. It's, it's just, it's a cover song in the sense that, uh, (laughs) I didn't write the main melody. um, it's it's over 700 years old and our, around uh, the Middle Ages, there were religious songs called Contigas written and there were like four to five hundred Contigas written and each Contiga had to deal with a specific miracle. And I think this one just happens to be like, you know, somebody has to take a offering of wax to an altar <laughs> every year or something because he had his like sight restored through some miracle. I don't know. But that's irrelevant. So each contiguous. Or relevant. Or it's, or it's possibly <laughs> relevant. I don't know. Uh, I'll get to why we even bothered to cover it. But um, so that's cool or whatever. So it's a really old song. And uh, the melodies that we're playing on that track um, is pretty accurate to the actual original melody. And the reason I even know about this, because <laughs> I'm not like digging up like old medieval songs, is in the original Conan the Barbarian uh, <laughs> with Arnold. Um, there's a there's the scene where they because how many like like heroes are in there it's like you have conan you have like the woman and there's like a like a sidekick or whatever so when the three meet uh within the first like 20 30 minutes um they go to a town and it's like called the tower of set and there's a it's like the first big snake scene so anyways they're playing familiar. Have you watched Conan? Yeah, I
0: haven't watched it in a very long yeah. time. Okay. We watched it younger, like, yeah, we watched it recently. We got <laughs> the D- we got
3: the DVD from half price books a few mm-hmm. years ago, and then we finally watched it. And
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what that's like. Yeah.
3: And there's a song playing in the background, and it's like this really cool droning melody. And I'm like, what is that? And I remembered from my childhood, like really digging the song too. And I looked into <laughs> it, and it's not on the original soundtrack like you can't get this song on the on the soundtrack so it's like well who is it well it's this band covering this the 700 year old contiga so i just dug into it found out that it was uh you know they were doing a cover it wasn't originally made for the the movie and i figured it'd be cool to to do a song that Mm -hmm. was on the conan soundtrack Mm -hmm. that's also 700 years
0: old (laughs) yeah yeah so it sounds sweet. It's yeah, a great it's ender cool. for the album, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's like a lot of additional. It seems like instrumentation in it. Um, mm-hmm. With what I'm assuming are probably like keyboard sounds. Yeah, Whereas yeah. There's like like layered. Uh, I don't remember if they were like horns or strings or something. It was just like it was very like thick.
3: Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a drone that opens the track, and that's an instrument called a uh, tempura. And, um, it's basically a four string Indian classical, mu- uh, whenever you hear Indian classical music, you hear that drone and like, they actually pluck these strings in succession to create this like weird matrix of sound, um, that the other instruments play off of. And I don't have the real deal, but it's just like a little, it's actually a box and you choose what key you want the drone to play in and you just press the button so it's still like a
0: it's still like a physical yeah i liked it up it has a little speaker that's super (laughs) cool so like it seems like you like have this like i don't know how big it is but it seems like there's definitely this knowledge base of bizarre instruments in your head yeah, there's there's a lot of bizarre things in my. Head. <laughs> so like with the instruments and like finding cool things like you know using like the like an emulated Mellotron on the record yeah. or using this instrument that I can't remember what you said it was. I already forgot the name of it. It's either tambour like, or tambora. Yeah,
3: One is an Indian dish that you eat, and the other one's an <laughs> instrument. So <Yeah. laughs>
0: what? When did you first start digging into using these? Uh, we'll say unconventional instruments and like adapting that adapting them into your music and then how do we go about incorporating those into the live versions of your right. songs yeah, do you or question. is it just kind of that's kind of the production stuff that's record only
3: yeah the it, it for that especially it's just record only and i kind of like that you know because we don't really play that song out too much i think we played it um at howler's like Earlier this year, last year, um, yeah, I think
1: we maybe and that was maybe the second times.
3: time we ever played it. We also played. Uh, there's a, a metal fest called Descendants of Crom. Yeah, and Crom is the god from Conan. So we actually played it at Descendants of Crom last year, and we're playing this year again. So
0: we'll probably play it again.
3: Probably play it again. It'd go
0: over pretty well. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, most people didn't know, but like the people who did know, <laughs> Boy, they're, yeah. like, they're like That's the Conan <laughs> song. Like yes, yes, it is.
1: Yeah, also that was, a, that was acoustic, acoustic yeah, right. so this year will yeah. be
3: full blast. Yeah, so when we play it live, we um we don't have any of the additional instruments. We just do like, you know, bare bones, typical three-piece mm-hmm. stuff, and we do like a an extended jam for the middle part where you have those weird tambourine things going on where, yeah. where they pan back and forth.
1: Yeah. I, I was going to say the... um, There's a lot of layering and stuff in some mm-hmm. of the songs, but... Uh, like you said, you didn't really think that there was a lot of layering, but to me, that's how the song sounds when we play it live. But it may, it may or may not. But like yeah. what, what you're putting in there when you produce it is like how, like the real sound for me. So it's cool that you didn't think there was a lot of other stuff going on, even though there was, because that's what it sounds like in my head. Yeah, at least yeah, what it know. sounds like
0: to other people, we don't know. But <laughs> do you, Allison, have the thing where if you're listening to a recording, like? you unintentionally, like, zone in on the bass parts. Like, you focus Mm -hmm. on that more than the other things.
1: Yeah. I mean, yes, naturally. But I I try to um, focus on other things when I need to. (laughs)
0: So I'm curious then, you know, if maybe because of that, that's something that's – since, like, I don't know how if you were around when Trevor was recording all of the guitar parts and, like, seeing the screen (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, like, noticing how much stuff was getting tracked so maybe you know i don't know if you saw it or not maybe you didn't so you just had no idea so you hear it. it's like it sounds right it's like anytime i like if you like see the screen it just changes everything yeah. you know we um we just finished up the new Greywalker album and i mixed the i mixed the record nice so i got the when i've got the uh ricky and evan they recorded the guitars themselves at their house and then they sent me the stems mm-hmm. and whenever i got the stems it's just like this <laughs> wall like, oh my god there's oh <laughs> so much stuff in here but it, it doesn't like sound like it when it's all locked yeah. in but yeah,
1: yeah i guess that's good mixing and good yeah, production yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you can't tell there's like you know 36 it's, tracks it's still daunting <laughs>
3: like when you're sitting there in front of the computer and you're like holy shit like what am i gonna do you have to start punching holes for everything
1: yeah i mean it's tough i i heard and saw trevor tracking a lot of the stuff but i mean i mean for um hum which trevor it was trevor's second solo album right you had like how many tracks did you have on some that of was that overkill
3: <laughs> i mean i was <laughs> like i mean it sounded just, great you, but so yeah. so
1: that i mean i saw all of that yeah the way the i did that, i kind of
3: wrote it as i recorded which is okay. not not between a the good thing me. <laughs>
0: What's that's that? what they do between the bear to me
3: Yeah, and I think there's a there's well, (laughs) that can work if you have more than yourself. I think sometimes, so you know, that was that's kind of like you know, my head was in front of a computer screen half the time, up my ass half the time, (laughs) basically because (laughs) you're like
0: lost in your own world. Yeah. Earlier today, I um, I went over to my friend Jared's house. Yeah. Um, and we were just like, okay, let's have a productive day. Let's just get together and let's make a song. And we That's were, cool. so we, we got together and we, I like basically demoed out, wrote, demoed out a full track. He wrote lyrics for the whole thing and we recorded vocals for the whole thing. Wow. Like an entire track front to back in like four and a half hours. Wow. I mean, granted, it's like a very silly kind of like uh, like a, a jokey goth song with like <laughs> some really dramatic vocals. Like we were just having fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what we were talking about was how much easier it is to do something like that with somebody else because, Oh yeah. You know, just like, Hey, what do you think of this? And then he's like, yeah, sounds good. Let's go for it. (laughs) Versus me being like, well, I don't know. And then just going in circles in my head about what's a good idea. What's a bad idea. And then just never reaching an end point, just like walking in circles in my head. So I imagine (laughs) with, you know, you working on solo material, being as interested in production as it seems you are and the knowledge of different instruments and possibilities with, (laughs) you know, maybe random things you have laying around the house combined with all of the plugins and digital things that are accessible. It's like you can, you need to like be able to just ring it in. But I also have an idea that maybe with your solo stuff, you're a little bit more unrestricted like mm-hmm. you're kind of like willing to take it wherever it's going to go. Yeah. And that yeah, makes yeah. it even worse. Yeah, it <laughs> does. It's like we could do whatever we want. Yeah.
3: It's it, I don't know. I mean, and then that was a different time. I mean, this was like 3 years ago mm-hmm. now. And I'm not saying skill-wise or anything like that, but I mean, I I played drums on some of the tracks and I wasn't, you know, I haven't played drums for very long, probably about 3 or 5 years, and that's like two of that not really playing drums. So uh so kind of screwed up on some of that but i did have dude, a dude. lot of my friends like play like i wrote all the stuff and then i would have them come in and, and you know kind like of add do their own it, ideas like, yeah, or whatever
0: like interpret your stuff or add to it yeah
3: i think that's the way to go you know have like uh, you know somebody who actually knows what they're doing on whatever instrument to well, come in
0: pretty much what i do with psychs and a new violence yeah you know, it's like all this stuff is kind of like here's the song and i have like the structure from front to back with all of the parts mm-hmm. and it's like well I'm not a bass player. I'm not a guitar <laughs> player. You know, I have some little dinky-do little things that I programmed out, but come on in and make it sound human. Yeah. yeah and that's right. that's what we do.
3: Mm-hmm. A good thing to do, I'm sure you do it is to limit yourself just before you even sit down and write, you know. Um either through technology or you know limiting yourself to how many elements you even want in the mix like oh I want to write a song with just a drum machine and just a keyboard or something or or whatever and I think technology uh, too many options like kind of screws me over so I've been I haven't actually <laughs> sat down to do it but I plan on sitting down either in front of a four track tape recorder or I have an old school like <clears throat> boss 8 track digital recorder and just writing some songs on that yeah you know, and just be like, this is what I have to work with. Now, I, I won't necessarily release this because four tracks sounds like complete garbage to me, um, especially the one I have. And <laughs> then <laughs> the visual eight tracks, all right. But, you know, just sitting there and challenge, really have, yourself.
0: Yeah, challenge yourself.
3: You know, you have a limited amount of parameters, limited amount of plugins.
0: Well, I think that, you know, if you're able to put together a good product on that it really speaks to the power of the song Mm -hmm. you know i feel Mm -hmm. that if you have a a genuinely good song i think like a good song can be written poorly because good is subjective right but like like if you okay well instead of saying good we'll say strong yeah Mm -hmm. a very strong song i feel is a song that you can strip down to the bare bones and it still gets its point across Mm -hmm. it doesn't need all of the bells and whistles to for it to work which is what's probably good about you being able to perform your songs without needing the extra bells and whistles that you add because that's not what those aren't the foundation of the song the foundation of the song is still just the melodies and the rhythms that you three are putting in yeah as a as a band yeah versus me as a, a rapper <laughs> in my not strong songs because everything relies on samples and things like that
1: well even but, if you just but I, if you I, just rap, I, I, yeah, I could just do
0: spoken word. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's kind
1: of the uh the essence of rap songs, maybe.
0: Yeah, just that's debatable depending on who you're talking yeah, to. Yeah. But For sure. it is definitely a very important part. It's almost like we're polar opposites almost in a way. Mm-hmm. In that sense, because there's not one word that, you know, is spoken in your music versus mm-hmm me coming from a hip-hop background where it's like all lyrics there's a yeah, hidden yeah. track
3: uh, where we just covered gucci gang or gucci gang or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we just it's a it's a 20-minute version of that song uh, do
1: we really have that
3: yes you haven't listened <laughs> to the album <laughs>
1: <laughs> well my, maybe it's really hidden
3: yeah
1: like really far in there
3: it's in there um, one, th- one thing about this uh, album, too, uh, we actually, all the songs we got to play in front of people for a year before we recorded. So, you know, what what they sounded like early in 2017 yeah, <laughs> uh, is not what they necessarily sounded like yeah. when we recorded, which was pretty cool. Like, we got audience feedback. I think the song's, like, really stretched out.
1: Yeah,
2: our, our,
3: we, we were writing yeah. the multi, like in my head, I was thinking about production the entire time, you mm-hmm. know, because we were talking about recording in September probably, and we're thinking about recording, and we didn't even get into the studio until January. Yeah. So of this year.
1: Yeah. Our first, uh, the EP, we didn't play in front of anybody. Yeah. Before when we recorded it, and then we just were like, here, everybody, what do you think? And yeah. so it's very opposite of of, of this one. had a lot of feedback that's
0: exactly what i'm dealing with now with the new sykes and new violence record because of just different situations and circumstances it's just like i had this all these songs are done in my head they were done Mm -hmm. but just things come up i don't get around to it and then you know somebody left the band and then we got somebody else in new And it's like, oh, okay, so now these songs sound a little different. Right. But now it's cool. And then I was like, well, maybe I want to get my friend to play guitar on a song. Oh, nice. Now, he played guitar on the whole album. He's in the band. (laughs) (laughs) After recording one song, I was like, this sounds good. Let's try another one. Okay. Okay. Well, well, well,
3: (laughs) I accidentally just
0: (laughs) roped him into the band. So (laughs) now it's kind of cool, though, because if I would have rushed to record those songs and then put them out there the album wouldn't be what it is now or yeah. what it's gonna be because it's still not done. But it's it's been cool because we are playing the songs and we're I haven't done that before with a Sykes project, mm-hmm. you know, because with well, with the solo stuff, when I don't have the band that's different because I'll be playing shows. But it's like the backtracks will end up changing too much because it's all it's all programmed and automated. Right. It's mm-hmm. not it doesn't have those there's no human error when you have like say like you're playing a show and you fumble something or you're at a rehearsal and you let's try this today and like it changes the whole dynamic of the song the happy accidents yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. Call them. <laughs> right you don't really get those in hip-hop production mm-hmm. too often it definitely does happen when you're just messing around but yeah for sure it's a lot rarer than mm. being in a room with you know two three four other people that are all uh capable of making a mistake that accidentally (laughs) sounds awesome
1: right that's interesting
2: yeah
1: i'm not i mean i've written uh songs by myself like on guitar but not not too much so playing with a band is probably the main experience that i have so it's interesting to to think about that
0: whenever you so just writing stuff by yourself is that just sort of like a like practice or killing time sort of thing or do you have like a like a passion to actually create like solo art or is it a mixture?
1: Well as far as anything that I do on my own, probably more writing, like just word writing, stories, Mm -hmm. prose, things like that. But um, I mean when I first started playing music as a teenager, I pretty much only played by myself and wrote songs and sang and things like that. But um, once I started playing bass, I, I really just, you know, practiced and played made up things on the bass, but not really songs. And I still sometimes will will play, write something on guitar, but not really for the purpose of anyone hearing it or playing it live. But I mean I've had kind of like a as I've been writing more recently, kind of having like an itch to maybe try to write some songs again. But um I'm really much more interested in in playing bass and kind of that. How the bass is connected with the other music more so than uh, being the on glue. my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more of a glue person <laughs> than a spearhead. I guess. that I'm, I'm not good with metaphors. Trevor is. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> sounds but, good to me. Yeah, so th- that's more more interesting to me. But I still do write sometimes.
3: You write riffs though. Well, yeah, I
1: write <clears throat> I write riffs. Like
3: I'll hear you in <laughs> there writing riffs. But I mean, that's how you just practice. You know. Yeah come up with little repeating patterns and then Mm -hmm. it kind of turns into more of a muscle memory thing so when Mm -hmm. you jam with people you can just whip them out and yeah (laughs) change the key maybe or whatever but
0: yeah trevor do you find yourself ever just working on songs that you don't have any intent of releasing like just brain exercises or things like that or um like making like i find myself in this hole of only making art for the sake of it always has a purpose like it's like Mm -hmm. i very rarely today was probably one of the first days and years where me and my friend just made something because we were goofing around and just wanted to do it Mm -hmm. uh do you ever get a chance to just do that or is it always like oh this i need to do a long hunt song or this is gonna i'm working slowly on my new solo record or this or that Um, um i'm always writing something
3: um Unless if I actually sit down and say I'm not going to even think about writing music. So, like, the early part of this year, didn't write anything new. And then when I actually sat down to just either, like you were saying, just dick around and not have any intent or to sit down and actually try to write something. Like, do you, like,
0: like sit down? Like, do you, like, schedule time to sit down? Or, like, you're like, I'm going to work on music now. Yeah. I pretty much –
3: yeah. I play every every day if I can. And a lot of it is – Sort of ad lib, uh, because I have like a loop Mm -hmm. station set up, so like I'll just play through the looper and then just get lost in the sauce, yeah. Like I was playing something earlier, like it was just off of like one note, and I was probably going for like 25 minutes. It was just, Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: what happens is you'll get like a little
1: somehow it's always awesome sounding, it's
3: always the same song, so no, it's not, it's uh, very
1: enjoyable for me to be here.
3: So, what happens is you'll get like a little nugget out of that. <clears throat> that'll maybe turn into something down. Do you the road. like
0: record that stuff at all? Or you
3: Sometimes just... I'll I'll get the phone out. Yeah, but I find once you start setting up the recording, it just it's it's gone by then because you your know? brain's focused on the engineering and not the uh, it, that creating that, or you just lose the vibe that you had, and you're like, well, what was I even doing? You know, like if
1: you have to stop, get the phone out, or it's so even record. like that at
3: band practice. Like if we'll we'll like occasionally jam or like have like a part or whatever, and we'll mm-hmm. just be like going on it for 25 minutes, 30 <laughs> minutes, or whatever. We're like, that sounds awesome. Let's start from scratch and record it so we have it on our phone. Yeah. And it's like the the recorded version is always subpar because like, you just lose whatever vibe yeah. you had going on. Um, <laughs> so how to answer your question, uh, if I can remember specifically do you, what, do you, what it do was. Do you ever
0: just make – Art for. I mean, it kind of sounds like you do just in a sense of just like yeah. practicing, messing around with different effects yeah. and seeing what they do I and think, what's possible.
3: I think um, I always – even even the long hunt is, is sadly kind of art for art's sake um, with maybe the intent on <laughs> trying to push it to as many people as you can. But I mean I think the music comes but, first. But I see what you it, mean.
0: Um, like I have a – I don't mean to cut off your thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have a friend – who's an incredibly talented musician producer records bands and he's one of those jerks that can pick mm-hmm. up anything and he's like a virtuoso oh, you know no. like, <laughs> like how like how yeah you know just it makes you mad but you're also really happy for it, like. yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so he will just he has like layer like like not layers like folders albums worth of solo material I mean right. I'm talking like drums guitar bass everything's produced like he's done it like full fleshed out things mm-hmm. and he's just like yeah I'm probably never gonna release this I just like driving around listening to it knowing that I did it yeah mm-hmm. and like he's totally content with that and that just blows my mind that's
1: interesting you I know I like to, to know this to be able to have that.
0: that that sort of control or just not want to have any desire to like share your art with the world i have another Mm -hmm. friend that paints and she was on the podcast a long long time ago and she was telling me about how she has like a website that her art's on but she doesn't have her name on it Mm. and she very rarely like shows people her stuff and doesn't like talking about it just Mm. because she just wants the art to be like so separate from her life that it's like She can, like, like, in a way, it's, like, more artistic than anything else. Because it's just, like, she escapes into this world that nobody around her really knows about. She does her thing. And then that's it. And then just comes back to the, you know, normal world with her Mm -hmm. friends and her peers. And it's completely separate. And I'm, like, wow, that's great. But, like, I don't think I could do that. Because I'm so, like you know the second i get a song done it's like i can't wait to put this on fucking bandcamp <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I, i'm kind of like that and i'm like all of those things in a way yeah. like, i have a ton of songs that i that are, are you know done or whatever but i guess i just use the, a really specific criteria on what actually gets released like i almost like i thought like about it's curated yeah it's very <laughs> curated um especially now i mean you know it's we also have an, an
0: artsy word Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it sounds artsy.
1: It's in our museum, of <laughs> and curated. Think, songs. I think now with
3: the long hunt, we have like a very specific like aesthetic, and I just don't want to spoil that with just releasing anything, and even yeah, totally yeah. even like solo stuff. I want to be careful with what I mm-hmm. put out. Well, not but, yeah. Now people
0: yeah. are hearing it, and you're building a air yeah. quote a fan base, and you're building those expectations. So mm-hmm. and it always feels good to make music for make new music for fans that you that are people that have reacted well to previous music. Cause now it's like you have those people in mind when you're writing. Mm -hmm. Does that ever affect your creative process? Like thinking about what other people are going to think of your music and what they're going to like, once you establish like a, a, like you establish people outside of you, like knowing what you are and what you do. Yeah,
3: it, it does to an extent. Um, I think how people are going to respond to what's out there, either we're playing it or a release um, is going to affect me. So I'm not like your friend where I can just, you know, separate myself from it completely. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe not art for art's sake in that sense. Um, so there's definitely like an ego thing <laughs> where you want other, you know, we do it partially to play in front of people and get the applause or the reaction at the very least and, Comments and, and so on and so forth But I don't think we're writing music Necessarily to Appeal to any specific audience Um And if it is a specific audience It's definitely not one that's paying too much money <laughs>
2: So <laughs> yeah. Yep.
3: Like if we were You know, if we were just writing for other people I would definitely go for something more mainstream Just, you know Just to mm-hmm. reach as many people as I possibly could And
0: have either of you, like, dabbled in writing more, air quote, mainstream music? Yeah.
3: Um, I was in a pop rock band called The Fixes, and that was mm-hmm. probably the closest we got to it, where, um, yeah, I think if we played more, we probably would have reached more people, but, mm-hmm. uh, the singer was, that was definitely his goal, was to, like, be a pop star, you know? He was, like, the trifecta, we call it, like, he yeah. was, like, a model... <laughs> a singer and an actor yeah. so he <laughs> trifecta yeah. so he, he, you know <laughs> right things yeah. going okay for them now I don't know he's in New York okay you know you can leave New it York Datt- City make yeah. 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 it mysterious. mysterious and I check in on him every once in a while mm. and he's doing his thing but yeah. it's like I'd rather be a you know somebody who's moderately successful in a place like Pittsburgh rather than like somebody who's just not even known to anybody in New York because yeah, you're like one of a million
0: it's, mm-hmm. it, doesn't matter but there's just... no right or wrong way to be content as an artist mm-hmm. yeah I've had, this, sure. I've had this argument with people in my personal life before that have told me like I should be doing this or that you know like in Pittsburgh isn't the place for me and mm-hmm. it's just like you son of a bitch yeah like, right. I, I I, you know, I have a, a house I like and people in my life that I really care about. I'm in a band with my best friends. I have a good job. I support my like, it's like At some point, It I don't like to make it sound like it's like a plateau or settling. At some point, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I worked really hard to get where I am as a functioning human adult. Right. And I'm happy with where I am. Why can't you just let me enjoy this for a little bit? <laughs> like, right. what? Where, what is the end goal? You know, a lot of people tend to they get everything they want and then they just want more mm-hmm. they don't ever spend time with when they finally reach something they don't spend the time with it to enjoy it it's like mm-hmm. a lot it's like me with all these fucking records behind yeah, right. me, you know it's just like <laughs> you know how often I, I don't listen to records nearly enough but it's like i have all this shit and it's like oh cool i finally got this thing that i wanted this yeah. record that i've been wanting for years and i listen to it once and it goes through on the shelf and it's yeah. more plastic and cardboard in the house.
3: Yeah, you probably have a few years worth of music (laughs) right there if you did end to end. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's crazy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, there's always the, um, you know, the search for, or at least there's other people searching for you to say, well, how could you be better, or like, how would will you be more successful? We we joke um, because we have family that always say, oh, maybe one day you'll be on Leno. We're like, well, yeah, Leno's like not even a thing now, but like, but yeah, we're yeah. Like, that's never been our intention. Right. But could that- you
3: imagine this music? <laughs> we're gonna play a 16 minute like drone song,
1: <laughs> but that for like, you guys, yeah. But that's that's a lot of people's standard of success, yeah. and we're not even aiming for that. So, you know, I think, like you said, feeling successful or taking the time to have some gratitude for the small successes or the just the enjoyment that you're having is really important.
0: Yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people will unfortunately overlook mm-hmm. and it's it's a bummer, you know. Yeah. That's I wonder how much of it has to do with our uh I think a lot of it might have to do with uh the social media and uh repeat word, the curation of mm-hmm. our lives and everybody, mm-hmm. you know, sharing the best of our best things like, Yeah. check me out. I'm in New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of bored not having a good time. That's why I'm posting pictures of myself in New York City while I'm in yeah. New York City, but I'm here and it's glamorous. Yeah. And, uh, anytime I like see, I don't know, I always like think behind the lens. Anytime it's like Yeah. It's like, oh, like you're in Miami on the beach. Like, why why are you get off your, your Instagram story? Right. Go have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're at this show, like Get off your phone!
1: Mm-hmm. Stop it. it! It always makes like, me are wonder. you
0: really having fun? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or did you just are you just doing these things so you could show everybody else in internet land that you are doing them? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: It's,
3: it's like you that don't believe you are having fun, so you want other people to think you are to convince you that you are. Yeah,
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah,
0: it's like a feed- feedback loop. <laughs> yeah, it's a feedback loop <laughs> of, of having fun,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think a lot of it leads to that. Just not appreciating what you have when you have it. yeah. Because you know, you it's. You have something, you you finally get somewhere you want to go. You spend the whole time on your phone, and then all of a sudden you see, like, oh, so, like, I'm in New York, but so and so is in LA. I've right. never been to LA, so now I feel bad about myself again because I'm not in LA.
1: Right. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Yo. We can turn the tables. Totally. So, so um, thinking about social media, and I've uh, you know, heard you talk about, uh, you know, if you create if you have good creations, you put them on social media or whatever. That's the way you're going to get on social media. People to like your things and oh, just
0: having like genuinely good content. Yeah, 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 totally.
1: So I don't know if you have this experience, but what happens if you have good content and you still don't get any feedback? How does that affect you? I, it's one of the things I'm thinking about writing about on the the blog because I feel like that there's such a I think uh, mind fuck actually with yeah with with that.
0: So. There's obviously issues where you have things like Instagram will shadow ban users that maybe post too frequently Mm -hmm. or use too many hashtags or particular hashtags. Facebook has their weird algorithm things that they're doing supposedly or not. I don't know. I do think this stuff exists, but I think a lot of people recently have been using those excuses as a crutch of sorts to be like, oh... I'm putting things out there, but nobody is seeing it or nobody's reacting to it because, you know, Facebook's blocking my posts or Instagram's blocking my posts, whatever. There may be some truth to that, but I also think the flip of it is the fact that these people, their content isn't as good as they think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. a, a mean metaphor would be like, like you know, your kid's not that pretty mm-hmm. or your yeah, kid's yeah. not that smart, you know, something right. like that. So for me personally, I think it's just – being really aware of what I post Mm -hmm. and if something doesn't work out you know being telling myself you know maybe it is Facebook you know maybe Facebook blocked this post because I tagged a page in it or something like that Mm -hmm. and that makes that makes Facebook want me (laughs) to pay money for it because I'm tagging a business in it or something like that or maybe my post just sucks and I got to get better about looking into like when I'm timing of posts when you're posting things Mm -hmm. and you know am I wording this the right way am I attaching the right image to it that's Mm -hmm. gonna grab people's attention people were very short attention span now especially when it comes to social media so you just gotta have that that right thing that gets their attention and I I don't know I don't have a formula for it a recent example that I can give for you just posting content that's simple that people care about would be when we announced the Grey Walker CD release show. Mm-hmm. So we announced, typically I would think, okay, if I we were to post something from the Grey Walker Facebook page and we tag other bands in it, we tag business in it because we tag the bands we're playing with, we tag the venue and post it from the business page. If we don't sponsor this post, nobody's going to see it. That's that's the thought that I have in my head, mm-hmm. right? But it was big news for us as a band. Hey, we're releasing a show or we're releasing our new album. Here's the date. Here's the show, the event page. We didn't sponsor it at all and it blew up. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just because people are seeing our posts and we finally just posted something that was worth everybody's mm-hmm. attention versus like, oh, here's a link to our album again on Bandcamp that we've yeah, been posting for, sure. for the past year and mm-hmm. a half. Here's you know, just a picture of us at band practice again, like it's, it might be exciting to us, but other people, they don't really care. Yeah. So I think that being reserved, like being very reserved, I don't think we need to post on social media three times a day. Like some people might want us to believe we need to, mm-hmm. to fight through. I think it's just saving it for when you have something that's worth posting. And if it doesn't get the traction, be like being comfortable with, being self like analytical and yeah. critical of what you're posting, and just find yeah. a way to do better. You know, yeah. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
1: You use it as a, a challenge, or inspiration. Totally,
0: a challenge. If something doesn't work, there's mm-hmm. no reason that because you gotta remember that there are other people that are posting things that blow up. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? It's whether it's something silly like that, yodeling Walmart kid. You know <laughs> about that meme. There was like a video of a little kid that was yodeling in a Walmart with like a cowboy hat on, and it blew up. Yeah. And then like he got like you know, a, a a record deal and all this oh, stuff, geez. or like oh. <laughs> or other like weird like YouTube viral sensations.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But those are just like that's like mind numbing stuff. Yeah. So people gravitate towards that stuff, and it's a quick buck for people. But then there are other artists and bands that are you know instrumental, psych, doom bands. That are successful with what they do just because they find that audience and they find their voice that people gravitate to. So it's just a matter yeah. of if something's not working, don't keep doing it. Yeah. Figure out how to switch it and figure out what attracts your Fan base,
1: yeah, well, that's that's helpful because Sorry.
0: I can I can for Yeah, no, that's
1: why I wanted to ask you because uh, <laughs> we've talked to other musicians and you know friends and stuff, and that's like that always comes up, and a lot of people find themselves kind of just depressed or down about it, and oh, yeah. almost like stopping what they're doing. So wanted well, not, wanted to hear another person's
0: I opinion. Think that it's really important that no matter what you're doing, it still needs to be genuine. Yeah, you know, if, if you if it gets to a point where you're trying to, if you're compromising your your morals or your integrity as a band and what your your the whole meaning behind your band in favor of getting a boost on social media, right. then it's not worth it because mm-hmm. then you're reaching success in a way of not even being yourself, and, and now it's all of a sudden you have to keep up this facade. It's just a matter of finding a way to you know naturally grow that, but. It could be hard because let's take, for example, your core fan base or what might be your potential core fan base. They might not be people that hang out on Instagram. all day. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're mm-hmm. not. Because That's the thing is it's like if your fan base isn't social media based people, if they're more like thinkers, artists, people that aren't into being, you know, on their phone all the mm-hmm. time then you're going to have a hard time reaching them through social media. So, you know, it's like more of like a playing shows, getting into doing things. I don't know how often you've been playing out of town or how often you're able to, but, you know, just the more shows, meeting people, organic interactions. Something I've been saying a lot recently (laughs) is is the, this is like my new freaking catchphrase is the social media should be an accessory to your real life. Yeah. You know, your real life shouldn't be an accessory to your social media. And that's, yeah, that's a, how a that's lot a of good people are living. Mm-hmm. So
1: well, to go back to your uh, like original question about blending your um, personal life and your hobbies and your music and your work and everything. I think what's been interesting is with Trevor's photography and my blog, it's kind of blended, you know, taking photos of bands, um, talking to other musicians about their experiences and stuff like
0: yeah let's let's that's, chat that's about been, the blog because I, I mentioned at the beginning of this that i did want yeah. to get to that and we're kind of yeah. so drop some knowledge on <laughs> us about yeah. the blog and everything you've been doing with that uh well it what's was, it called
1: oh okay it's called <laughs> of music and mind and it's it's really about the intersection of musical issues creativity writing playing and uh mind issues which could also be creativity and uh, Mental illness, uh, thinking—just like yeah. a lot, you know, anything oh, related to the mind.
0: Mm. I'm sorry, I—I—I I, I feel like we kept sidestepping this. Um, I kind of the one point I was kept trying to get to when we were talking about like what it does to you if something doesn't work out. Yeah, because that's, what, that's what a lot of people off on that want rant to know. about being yourself, no mm-hmm. matter what. I think that you know you have to understand that if you feel confident about your art originally, like you have that feeling that it was good. Mm-hmm then it's it's good if it's good to you it's going to be good for somebody else you mm-hmm. know? just don't yeah. you can't let somebody else's like negativity uh bring you down or make you think differently about your art like especially if it's something that like really like sometimes when you make like a piece of art that's like really good it like changes the way you feel about yourself it makes mm-hmm. you feel better about yourself because you're able to create this thing from your mind that's like Fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, to have somebody say like... It's one thing to be like, you know, hey, you know, that's not for me. I don't like it. But somebody's like, ah, fuck that. It sucks. <laughs> or people ignore it. Then fuck them back. Don't let that negativity get down on what made you feel so good about right. yourself. Right. Yeah. That, oh, and that there.
1: Yeah, that's it. I'll put that on the blog. That's good advice. Okay.
0: <laughs> I, I know it's not, the, it's, it's not the easiest things. I've definitely... It took me like unfortunately a really long time to get to where I am now. Like I love having younger guests on the show. Like people I've I've talked with people that are like 18, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. And
2: it's like mm-hmm.
0: that have like the same amount of like energy as me. And
2: mm-hmm. It's like,
0: fuck, you know, I'm like 32 now. Yeah. It's like, I wish <laughs> I had your drive and your resources when I was 18 or 19. Yeah. So it took me almost 10 years just to figure out how to like, talk to people. I I started this podcast (laughs) because I sucked at talking to people. And now it's all I do. Right. I mean, I've gotten a little better at it. But it's (laughs) like, it, it helps, you know, it's like, it just took so long to take the initiative and like other things like figuring out how to promote things, how to book shows and also doing that in the middle of so many changes with You know, the digital age coming through. It's like the growing pains of the digital age was like, I basically grew with those. Mm -hmm. It's like I started making music and playing shows like right as MySpace was taking off, which is kind of like where all of this shit started. So it was like... I grew with it and I've had to adapt to all of the changes and they're always like these little reset buttons. Mm-hmm. So you think you got it all figured out and then they take <laughs> it away from you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please talk about your blog. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the,
1: so we uh, started that in February and it's just, um, talking about the intersection of those things. So I write some articles based on my experience as a social worker and connecting that with music. Um, we do interviews with musicians talking about, right now we're really focusing a lot on the experience of musicians with depression or suicide or uh, PTSD, things like that. Um, we've done a lot of surveys with the music community just to see uh, thoughts on um, different mind issues and how that intersects with music. And uh, Trevor does the photography. So it's really fun when we do interviews with bands or um, individual people to go and do photo shoots with them. I mean yeah. we do live I mean, Trevor does the photos out there, but you know, to do five shows, but then we do candid shots and stuff. So it's kind of neat to see people in just, you know, in a different light kind of, especially yeah. if it's people that we don't know. A lot of the people so far have been people that we know, but some but people, not people
3: we know like that well. Yeah, there's people
1: that, you know, just met them through doing the blog, which um, like I said, we're kind of blending hobby work going out because yeah, <laughs> i'm that's, quite introverted so when you said like you did this to start being able to talk with people this has been a challenge for me but it's like oh it's i'm doing this for the blog i have to talk with somebody uh-huh. so <laughs> i have
0: like the <laughs> same mindset where all of the little things that i do it's like if i i try to any time i'm doing something i try to weasel something creative out of it and that's like <laughs> honestly that's how the whole one minute or less videos oh, thing right. happening. Yeah, those are cool. Was just the result of like, oh, if I'm just gonna be like spending my time at a restaurant somewhere,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I might as well make a video about it. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. It's like it's like I really hope that like a lot of those stuff doesn't come off as being like very like like I'm full of myself or like like narcissistic or me 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 check me out. I'm <laughs> reviewing these places, but it really comes from more of a thing where it's like I'm out and I'm bored. Mm. It's I need to like do something. I need to be creating something no matter what. Or yeah. else my brain just goes Yeah,
1: well <laughs> you I mean you've talked about that Trevor just like constantly. There's just music in your head or composing things yeah. in your mind and uh I can check out more easily just like blanket yeah it's
3: hard to turn it off <laughs> but especially at night <laughs> when, you, when you need to get yeah. asleep
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but th- that um compulsion for creativity is is the real thing and it's it's an interesting thing i say
0: so what I want to kind of end this conversation on possibly I'm sure we're going to go off the rails again <laughs> which is fine that's when the good stuff happens mm-hmm. so talking about creating music and one thing that I've been really interested in recently, and I haven't brought this up on the podcast at all, but I'm going to start asking more bands about this. Mm, Is there rehearsal spaces? Mm. Because for whatever reason, I've found myself recently in a bunch of different rehearsal space situations, whether it was filming, filming a video for somebody or meeting somebody for a podcast or, uh, temporarily practicing like using borrowing somebody else's space i've been in like several different practice spaces and like all the nuanced differences between them and like how in my brain i'm like thinking either like oh like this room feels great and like, mm-hmm. I really love rehearsing in here. I'm feeling very creative and good versus mm-hmm. like this room feels like a doctor's office and I don't <laughs> want to be in here. I don't understand how you guys are in here multiple times a week trying to make art. Mm-hmm. Right. What is your rehearsal space like and how have you tweaked it to benefit the productivity of your band? That's my question.
3: Well, um, as far as my room, it's it's very similar to this type of setup where you've got your Workstation and your speakers and your music and I don't have any Ninja Turtle action figures. I wish I <laughs> oh. did. I have a Nerf gun that I occasionally yeah. shoot, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's I'm not really big on like I I think environment affects me a lot, um, totally. but as far as like decoration stuff, like I kind of suck at it. So we're both like,
1: pretty minimalist. We're very minimalist. So, so it's like style. everything in
3: the room is just like instruments and computer and you know the workstation but uh like when i was recording i'd try to like get into a mindset you know i'd like light incense or like maybe like turn the lights on a certain way or whatever like but as far as rehearsal space like the practice space is just at mark's house the drummer and um it's
1: it's in his tattoo shop it's in his tattoo so, shop had some maybe some coolness to it (laughs) but there's no distractions
3: (laughs) like which is good because like when you go Mm -hmm. over his place it's just like amps and his drum set and like you go Mm -hmm. there to practice and that's what you do and that's where emily rogers practices too so same place
1: mark is the drummer for emily rogers and i'm the bass player for
3: emily rogers so Um, we
1: practice but for emily rogers we have five people and for the long hunt we have three so it fits there's a lot more space when we practice.
3: And I'll tell you what, like I, I assume you go online here too. Like this is like your window yeah. to the world. Uh-huh. Do you find that affects you? Cause like that thing is just like nipping at me all the time. Like if I'm trying to do something creative, especially well, if it's on the computer, you like always have that yeah. shit popping so, up.
0: So um, you see the third screen over there. Yeah. That's actually my main computer that I record all the music on and it doesn't have internet access. That's the way to go
1: that's cool um
0: so yeah i do everything on like i basically record podcasts and stuff on the go on the laptop just because it's half the time when i'm uploading episodes i might not even be home i'm mm-hmm. like out and about doing something that's like oh shit like i <laughs> gonna go on and i'm like <laughs> i've like recorded intros and uploaded episodes before shows at howlers before like oh, wow. like i gotta get there before anybody gets there so i can like use the the microphone on the (laughs) laptop to do what you gotta do but that's very much how things tend to go for me is so that stuff has to stay on the laptop yeah but anything serious i do on on the other computer and it's a very conscious decision to keep the internet off of it yeah and just kind of zone out um most of the time i don't really do a whole lot of like Web browsing or anything in here. If I if I'm doing anything like that, like later on, I need to finish up the CD booklet for the Greywalker CD because we finally got our promo photos back that we took. <laughs> nice. We just took them on Tuesday. I shouldn't say finally. It was like <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a two day turnaround. <laughs> it actually, it actually, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll probably either I'll probably do that either in at the table in the kitchen <laughs> or maybe in the living room. uh while well, maybe me and Stacey will watch a movie or something, and I'll kind of like half watch it while I'm working on other stuff. Yeah. So it really just depends on what I'm doing. Art stuff I normally do in the kitchen. Um, last night I was working on some some drawings for um, for Rock Bottom. I'm doing some beer label designs for them. Mm-hmm. So I was drawing and listening to your album. And it's nice. very excellent drawing music, by the yeah, way. I want to let you know. It's like zoning out. There was like one, I mean, granted, it was probably like 2.30 in the morning. But like I was like locked into like some part of one of the songs. And I was like starting to like doze off. Uh-oh. But it felt like good. Like, it was yeah. just like this is like taking me
3: away. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> <Just> like.
0: <laughs> but it was awesome. you
3: like wake up in the magical forest on the album <laughs> yeah. cover.
1: Yeah. Well actually someone told us once our music is really good to do wood whittling too. Cool. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I could totally see yeah. that. Yeah. So mm. moving forward now, uh we'll wrap up the show because we're 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 about an hour in. Nice. So Let's talk more about this record. Um, when exactly is this being released? Is this out, or is this coming out soon? It's coming out on June first. June first. Yeah. So are that, you doing any sort of a like release show or anything? Yeah. Um. So, we're we're playing
3: in Youngstown on the first at Cedars. Mm-hmm. Shout outs to Cedars. Yeah. I love yeah. that space.
1: Oh, love oh actually, did we not see? There's a gray gray Walker, Walker sticker. sticker there. One or
0: two at least. Yeah. At Cedars. So, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. played Cedars. I like that place. Yeah, but it's
1: it's not in the same location as when we were first started playing out in Youngstown, but it's definitely one of our favorite places. I love
0: how unassuming that fucking place is. Like the first time we went there, like I was like... Did we drive like two hours to play, like, to play a, like a like a like hole in the wall? Yeah, hole in yeah. the wall. Like we're gonna like where they have to like move the pool table so the bands can play. Is it gonna right. be one of those fucking things? And then you walk in there and it's like this is like almost nicer than any venue yeah. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I love. Oh yeah, place. it's so nice yeah. in there.
1: It's a it's a classic place. Yeah,
0: it's classic. I mean, um, they have a phenomenal beer selection. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they have great food <laughs> there and uh, the, Yeah, the, the guy that
0: owned the place was like ability. making us try yeah. this like hot sauce that he had. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, Man, this is great. Like he's yeah. giving us hot sauce and there's good beer it sounds good.
1: They're all very nice. Sign me up. And we the, have to go the back sound there. engineer is awesome, yeah, Pete's awesome. Javier, so yeah. yeah, it's great. So is Yeah,
0: great. Pete's been recording a lot of stuff for the Get Hit bands. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I think, I've yet to meet Yeah, him, right. So we're connected. I've, yeah. Yeah, he's really nice guy. So, yes, yeah, so go ahead, Trevor. You were saying we got sidetracked by Cedars. Okay, so <laughs> you're,
0: playing, you're, playing, you're playing in Youngstown, yeah, Ohio, at
3: Cedars. We're, we're bringing our buds, uh, Jake the Hawk, um, from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and then we're playing with a band um, called uh, Between the Witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from Youngstown. From Youngstown. And if you know Cedars, uh, Eric, the guy who's usually running the door, plays bass in mm-hmm. that band. So, yep. uh, So we're doing that. And then on the second, we're playing Smiling Moose. So that'll be our Pittsburgh release show, cool. and that's with the band called Old Old Money Jesus, which is one of my favorite yeah. Pittsburgh bands because they sound really very awesome. similar to us I in, in never a lot even of ways. Heard of them. Yeah, um, they're very, very new. Um, the The main guy is Alexi Morrissey, and he's kind of like been in the scene for a while. <laughs> a lot of people know him. Um, bass player plays in Skeletonized. Um, uh, can't remember his name, unfortunately, but uh, and we're also playing with Hex Hollow, which is also a newer band. Uh, Matt McDowell is the guy who runs that. So it's like a heavy psych, mm-hmm. very three bands that have a very similar sound, I think. It's well, that's great cool. that, you know, you're
0: finding those like like minded, like sounded bands to play with. Even some yeah. that seem to be a little bit outside of the the metal realm, which mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong Mm-mm. with the metal realm, but yeah, it's cool to, you know, keep branching out. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we are, I
3: mean, I don't know when this will be out, but uh, we'll be playing on the 17th of this month with uh, Rebreather, mm-hmm. Monty Luna from Austin, and... Uh, Motometer. Motometer from Pittsburgh. Um, that's at... Cooskies. Goose Keys. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we've yep. also got some stuff, so depending on when this is out, we're going to be playing at the end of uh, June in Pittsburgh, and hopefully by... Maybe a summer festival that starts with a D that <laughs>
0: we all know and love. Yeah.
3: <laughs> possibly there. Don't want to spoil that. And you then,
0: probably know you're playing because you probably got know the same playing. email today that I got. We are, but uh, <laughs> we're trying to be
3: nice and not
0: really, you know. We won't
3: disclose we won't the date that we recorded the this
0: conversation. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah right. It's after you whenever not, it was publicly you, announced. You did not send out sorry, the emails today. Sorry, Hugh. Uh, Hugh's not even listening to yeah, this. he's yeah. he's too busy juggling emails. Yeah right. Yeah. He's worried he's about a, he's Melville, an email. He's in email purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I
3: know it said not to
0: respond to the emails, but uh, I just wanted to thank you for. This. I had I had to respond to the email. Oh god. Because...
1: <laughs> just to just to be funny.
0: No no um, no because
1: oh you have to because the venue that work, he had
0: the oh, like, yeah. new violence playing just would not have worked. Oh. the patrons of the venue would not cared very much for us and we would mm. not have fit in it.
1: Well, it's good good it's to good let to them know, know that. To know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's an important email to send.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's just kinda like, look, you know, like you everybody's working really hard on this festival. I want to make sure everybody has a good time. It for
1: anybody. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like
1: we let's, well,
0: okay, it's what can good. we do? Oh, it's good. Everything's ironed out. Good. It's good to go. Good. <laughs> Shout outs to Hugh. Yep. Yep. And uh I think that's it. Yeah, we have a website, so
3: it's uh, listen to the long hunt.com dot com, and that'll have all our fun little adventures on it. Yeah. Uh, Descendants of Crom. Later in the year, we're playing the Halloween tribute show with Banked as, uh, the, smashing as the Smashing Pumpkins. pumpkins so. That rules.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Already I'm learning really some
1: excited. songs. Yeah. I'm really excited about it.
0: You know what's funny, actually, and I did want to fucking bring this up. There's a lot of elements to your guitar playing that reminds me of early Smashing Pumpkins. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, really. I could see that. I could
1: see that. I'm a yeah, not now, like, but I'm I'm like a, not
0: not the songwriting, but there's just some something with like the tones.
1: Yeah.
2: It's
0: very like Siamese Dream-esque Smashing Pumpkins in a good way because yes. I love that record but mm-hmm. there's just like with some of like the, the melodies and like the the specific like the tones like this sounds very like there's like that tinge of sort of like a 90s rock or grunge sort yeah, of yeah. like backbone in, in the sound mixed in with everything else
1: Yeah, Mark's a big uh, Gish fan so he would like that as well although you know, Gish is pre-Siamese Dream but I think that's cool. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, I thought about it, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to bring that up," and then it just escaped my mind. And hey,
3: it all comes full yeah. circle. That's probably the only album of theirs that I've really ever listened to, Side to be Hayes honest. Dream. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it comes to closing the circle, like track three on our our new record.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well. <laughs> And that is all, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. One more time, Trevor Allison of The Long Hunt. Shout outs (laughs) to Mark, who is not here, who is off in a distant marshmallow coma or whatever. (laughs) He's recovering from a camping trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here June 1st. Be sure to check out the album, All Paths Lead to Here. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2018. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Give him one. Woo.
3: Woo. Woo.
0: Thanks for listening. <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> Caught us off guard on the woos. Yeah. are yeah, not really into
3: wooing.
2: We're not really used into to wooing. emotional everybody, things.
0: Everybody does the woos. Yeah.